best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their new podcasts, all their live events, everything they got going on at OsirisPod.com. Today we celebrate winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty, the sports drama television series created by Max Borenstein and Jim Heisch for HBO based on the book Showtime, Magic Kareem Riley and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s by Jeff Perlman. The first season, which comprised 10 episodes, chronicled the 1980s Showtime era of the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team, featuring notable NBA stars Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The show features an excellent ensemble cast led by John C. Riley, Jason Clark, Jason Siegel, Gabby Hoffman, Rob Morgan, and Adrian Brody, just to name a few. The series premiered on March 6, 2022, with the pilot episode directed by Adam McKay. The series was renewed for its second season, which premiered this past August, and just recently, right when it finished, it was announced that the series would be canceled after two seasons. So we have a lot to get into. To break it all down, I have Justin Wells back on the show. Let's get right into it. Let's 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 get into it. Well, if there's uh, two things that uh, make me believe in God, it's uh, podcasting and basketball. So welcome, welcome, welcome back to the party. Thanks for being here. How you doing? I'm doing well. We're recording this uh, shortly after Damian Lillard has been traded to the Milwaukee to the Milwaukee Buccaneers. Um, so you know, yeah, yeah. Already- UFO's uh, document, you know show about the the rise of the uh milwaukee bucks is uh coming at some point in the next 30 years i've already seen a fan of obviously an opposing team from milwaukee use adrian brody um as a pat riley like busting up his um his office uh in response to that trade because obviously it pissed him off that's that's something i think we're gonna get into a whole bunch just celebrating the cast and i just it was just tremendous cast but I think we're going to get hijacked right away by two things. First, um, first off is it, we got to get into how this this I mean how it ended. I mean things just kind of hit a wall out of nowhere, really. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to get hijacked a little bit more because I know you have a take that I want to hear um, about. I've, I've enjoyed both seasons, just to be upfront about it, uh, and maybe even season one just a touch more. But I know. Uh, you did not like the first season. I just, I, lo- I love hearing your opinions on things. What, what, was, uh, what was, what was your issue on season one? I thought it was really disjointed. I yeah. think that it just jumps from place to place too freely, and it, um, it focuses way too much on establishing uh, things that they don't follow through with as not enough. Yeah. At some point in season two, right after spending an entire season establishing magic as a womanizer yep. and we know where that was probably going to lead to yeah it started the start of the series that announcement is the first thing we came upon yeah they yep. just abandon it and like they establish it so hard in season one and then abandon yeah. it so it's a continu- it's a continuity issue yeah the second part about season one is they went so far down the rabbit hole of 
how Paul Westfall um, got the job mm-hmm. without really introducing Westfall very much. <laughs> they introduced Pat Riley very, very clearly as yeah, definitely. You know, a guy interviewing to be Chick Hearn's silent silent partner on a broadcast, which is yeah. not what you want as a job of a, as a color commentator. You mm-hmm. want to be able to actually talk. Yep. And then they went really far, you know, in creating in, in um in uh establishing the uh the Professor Jack character, yeah. whose last yeah. name I've forgotten, but that is a real NBA head coach. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Jack McKean. Yep, Jack McKean, yep. Right? yep. But they just don't really establish Westfall very strongly. And then they Which was and, super and, important to what happened in the second uh second season too. It's it's crucial to the the Lakers. That the story of Paul is kind of amazing um in the whole thing, but continue on. I mean Paul Westfall is a pretty important figure in the modern NBA, considering also just how much you know he influenced guys like Mike D'Antoni, whose yep. whose offenses are pretty commonplace in the NBA now. Like you know, yep. seven seconds or less get shots early in the clock. Mm-hmm. But um they didn't really just establish him particularly well. And they spent a lot of time just going from story to story to story and just not really establishing much. Like they didn't really establish Kareem Abdul-Jabbar particularly well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you can do a story about the Showtime Lakers for a season and just make Kareem just kind of, you know. Ancillary, yeah. An ancillary stomach asshole. Yeah. Um, the other group he was not pleased like, about season one. But he was definitely not pleased. Him and Jerry West. Jerry West was very pissed off about season one. Yeah. I mean, the two of them think that basically that they just were displayed to be not who they were. And yeah. I think that's part of where my criticism comes in is that, like, you know, it it it, pre- it presents Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as angry without the benefit of understanding that he's, you know, quite thoughtful like absolutely thoughtfulness away yeah someone mentioned to me who didn't know basketball who was enjoying the show and um she was like that cream's an asshole and i'm just like i think that's being portrayed wrong i mean also because like i mean he's in reaction to magic who was probably super annoying at that point with that ego coming in and everything i mean i i your criticism about it being disjointed i mean i think that could almost go through the whole series i mean like there was times when you didn't know and i kind of like the bouncing around and the different viewpoints but you know they never picked a lane and they they just you just never knew what the angle was going to be i did like the idea that that they're you know i kind of like that uh jerry west is getting a little pissed off here i, I thought season one felt a little braver to me there was a uh, the lakers kind of started taking to the show in season two i mean genie became a fan um I think um, uh, you know some of the some of the actors were showing up at games and stuff. They just kind of people were really getting into it. But uh, I don't know. I think me, I I I liked season one as a whole just because it, I got I was blown away. I mean, I read the book, um, Jeff Perl, um, Perlman's book. I just I think the story's amazing, and just I was just kind of like floored with how good things look. I like we'll get into the stylistic approach. I just loved. The casting, I was kind of just slapped in the face with this thing that I didn't know could kind of look so good and feel so fun. So I was really into it. I would say, to me, one was better as a whole, but two had some of the best episodes in the whole thing. Um, you know, three, four, and five are absolute money. But it is interesting to see that, um, you know, kind of numbers don't lie. The second season uh, was down 40%. And there's a lot, a lot that can go into that. They weren't able to promote. There's 
you know, a bunch of different reasons that that might have happened. But uh, man, this whole thing fell off a cliff and it ended with a with a, a series finale kind of like that fell triumphantly flat to the point where it ended with Boston winning the 1984 title. That's how that series pretty much ended. What do you think of that? So like if you if you want to engineer a way for me to just to hate something, to have the Boston Celtics win it and something they shouldn't win. Right. Like everybody at this point knows magic in his career, five titles, bird three, right. Of those head to head, it's a two to one for magic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You only get to see bird. You only get to see bird uh, win there. And it's also, it's just, it's crazy. Look, I understand that it's kind of impossible to tell the story of magic Johnson without telling the story of Larry bird there because of how intertwined their, their particular destinies were. Mm -hmm. But, um, I would like to see someone take a shot at it. You're writing a show about the Lakers. You're not writing a show about the Celtics. And I understand that, like, you know, the entire enmity or, or I guess, begrudging uh, friendship or whatever you want to call it between Mm -hmm. Red Auerbach and uh, and Dr. Jim Buss was, like, again, um, you know, just very, very, very Celtic-centered and not enough towards, you know, kind of some of the other things that that I wish I had saw, like, you know, no real establishment of James Worthy as a character. Yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, I I feel like that could have been coming. There was a lot of. I mean, I guess my biggest criticism and, and kind of sadness about it as as a fan of the show is there was so much meat left on the bone. I mean, this is a show called Winning Team, Winning Time. I mean, it ended in '84 when the Celtics won. The Lakers won in '85, '87, and '88. Those were all Showtime teams. That obviously. Uh, not obviously, but I, uh, from everything I hear from the showrunners and 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 Jeff, the the guy who wrote the book, who was able to talk about it during during the strike, I mean, they really want to keep going. And I mean, you know, uh, someone mentioned it. It was kind of like this series ended if you were doing a show about the Patriots and ended with it when the Giants beat them. You know, it's just it was such a uh, such a crazy crazy way to really bring it home. And I know they didn't want to, but I mean. It just could have been, I mean, there was even talk about it maybe even going through the next uh, Lakers dynasty, which I think could have been a whole lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were seven years until the HIV speech that started season one. I mean, that's all there. That's all that meat on the bone I'm talking about. And it just, you know, never came to fruition. And that's that's just a bummer. I mean, you even see people, um, you know, I saw Rex Chapman sharing a, a, a petition to get it back and the whole thing. It just, it just, it, it, it ended wrong. And not only did it end wrong, it just, it just, there was so much left to go. It's that, that was, this was not the plan. Yeah, th- this was not the plan. And I really would have liked to have seen him continue it because I really do like the second season. And yeah. I think that there's, there's some things that really started to work for me after being annoyed. Yeah, what were those? I'd love to hear that. The different, the different grain of camera clarity, depending upon how they're trying to make the shot look like, i.e., was it from TV at that time, or are they just trying to show it as you're in the room with them at that point in time? Like, I love that constant motion from, you know, this is a TV camera to, like, a 1982 TV camera to this. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just... That really worked for me. I really liked the more you got into the personal foibles of Dr. Buss. Um a tremendously flawed man. I would have liked to see more about Genie Bus coming up there. Definitely. I would have liked to. That was a lot more, That was what was next. I would have liked to have seen a lot more about Pat Riley's personality developing as he was a head coach because yeah. they show you Riley as the former pro with nothing to do and kind of like a gormless schmuck. 
but they don't really ever show you him turning into, you know, much to my consternation as a Nick fan and who detests the Miami Heat yeah. views them as the most evil thing on the planet. Um, his, his turning into just like this perfect uh, operator in the NBA, yeah. like, you know, the, 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 the next great executive and, and how he's able to stamp his, uh, his way on the team because they, they take you through it. It's and it's Jerry West's team, but like, Absolutely. It was, I mean, um, that, that I don't know if you watched the Hulu series legacy of the true story of the LA Lakers. I mean, it's that, that actually shows how much story there is there. It just, it's just wild. But uh, what happened to Pat not before he became that executive uh, you're speaking of, I mean, he let his ego get a hold of him in a major, major way. He talks about it in this whole thing. And there's actually interviews of him just, I mean, almost breaking down, talking about how he he got caught up in himself and, and what was happening in the whole thing. And that would that would have definitely been, I think we're talking about all these kind of what ifs, but the, all those what ifs were, you know, what was next too, which is just, it's just kind of a bummer. But what we had here is just uh, some amazing performances and, and, in both seasons and and i'd like to point out too that just kind of floored me obviously john c riley i just I'm, okay he's kind of you know that's just easy he just crushed it so perfect as dr boss that was amazing but what jason siegel did and brody did this season just i thought were amazing i mean as uh paul westhead he kind of you know ultimately became like this 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 um you know his ego got a hold of him there's that point where just you know magic gets that huge contract and 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 um paul's kind of like still trying to coach coach him up and just doesn't realize what he has and he's it's it's just it's just this i mean it's unbelievable that he he was trying to implement that offense with what he had on those guys kind of that find the spot offense which he's just using them as chess players but this is magic this is green these aren't pieces these are chess players this is you have you have you have the greatest player of all time (laughs) yes yes like and we can make an argument as spot, Kareem. make that hold true. Whether or not that still holds true is yep. totally up for debate. Yeah. Kareem is dismissed from those conversations way too quickly. Way too quickly. He's not brought up enough, if you ask me. And it's just it's the yeah. numbers are there. Yeah. I mean, he is in that conversation with Jordan and, and yeah. LeBron, right? Yeah. Yes. And you have the greatest point guard he's ever lived. And there's no debate in that. And, and Kobe. There's yeah. yeah, there's no debate in the fact that the greatest point guard who ever lived is Matt Johnson. Yeah. And <laughs> I like that take. Yep. You have a coach whose entire premise was to use them like you would use Mark Jackson and Rick Smith. Sure. Exactly. It's the same thing. It was, it was, it was, it wasn't about their talents. It was about his system. There was, it was, I mean, he kept talking about it. It was, it was something he brought up in, uh, in that episode, the new world, which was amazing. That's, I mean, that batch of episodes just uh, to kind of harp about the, what was really, really special about um, uh, season two, episode three of the second coming, where I did enjoy some of those. I, 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 I hear your take about bird thing, but some of that bird stuff with him balling in jeans and, and being recruited, I thought that was really fun to look at. But episode four and five, when kind of, you know, Paul's falling apart and it ends with episode five called the Hamburger Hamlet at that press conference at the end where Dr. Butts kind of tries to give them both the coaching duties and Jerry Boss is like, no, this is, this is, you know, this is Riley's team, which is amazing. Certain things like that, they actually, and I want to ask you about inaccuracies and if they bothered you, but for that one, for that press conference, you're pretty, they're pretty much, that actually did happen word for word. 
They they oh, there's yeah. scenes where they chose to go by the book entirely. I don't think that there's too many things that you um th- that they probably took too too much license with. It seems. Yeah. Just where they did, they really did. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. There are, and I was wondering if that bothered you. So there are like these subtle inaccuracies, you know, um, kind of with the bird story. His dad actually killed himself in high school instead of when they placed it, and you know, you're gonna be able to find bits and pieces there that that thing. I mean, I guess. I'm able to just look at this show, um, you know, kind of marvel at the stylistic approach, marvel at the cast as I keep going on and on about, but in just this way that it just, it was such a good time to me. I just had so much fun with it. And I just thought it was just, yeah. It's a fun show. I don't think that this is really meant to be more than that. Right. Like this isn't some great work of art, right? Like it's there's like, there, there's no symbolism or anything beyond the human experience of just telling us like, this is a sports story that was fun, which yeah. is fine. I'm perfectly okay with those. And if you're going to take small liberties to make this sports story kind of fun. Yep. Works for me. Absolutely. I don't need everything to need. I don't need everything to mean something. No. And, and you know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting because the, the facts are there. You can find out the truth. It's kind of fun comparing the notes and the whole thing, you know, where do they get that right? Where they do it. That's part, part of the fun, but yeah, it just, I mean, even the stylistic approach is just a good time. It's got the, you know, that retro feel and it's, it's, it is over the top. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's showy. It's completely showy. I mean, it would be, if I didn't just, you know, take it for what it's worth, it could look at as, you know, super self-indulgent and, you know, I mean, there's, you know, uh, what is it, the lipstick on magic's leg talking to him. There's times where you're just like they're take, but I also look at it as they're taking these chances that I think, are fun. I like when Dr. Bus talks to the camera. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I actually, I love this quote that, um, and I think you spoke to this earlier in a major way when you talk about the movement. Um, it was in a Vulture article. It's a show that can't stand still for a second. And I thought that was fun. There was always a momentum. There was always like a movement to it. I was always, I was always engaged. And I just, that's, that's, I guess that's why I, I miss it. And I'm just kind of bummed about it, you know? I think that's great weakness slash also tremendous flaw of the show. No doubt. No it's doubt. Because the longer, the, the more jarring and jerky you are, the harder you are to follow. Definitely. And also the harder it is to remember what's happened. Like it's the same premise behind like why you conceptually, yeah. the same reason why you remember television, you watch episodically rather than when you binge it a lot more quickly. Right. No, no question because about it. It is if you have time to digest things that occur, you remember them. Yeah. And if you have a show, though, that, you know, even though that there was no real way to binge this unless you just waited until recently, which yeah. I wasn't going to do. Um, no, that's how I knew I liked it. It's one of those ones I was watching every like um, Sunday night and Monday morning. I don't I don't I don't like binging shows. It's it, yeah. it, it does not. Do you not? No, I don't do it. Yep. Yep. That's well, smart. It, it, I can't remember what happens. And I, and I and I have trouble paying attention after the second episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's I mean, people give movies a hard time and like like te- episodic television or, or television these days. But you're watching you're turning your, your television into these long winded, like extra long movies, you know, in certain ways. I can't watch a movie, but I can watch eight episodes of a TV. <laughs> maybe just watch maybe just spend two hours watching a movie and you'll be and, and like, you, you'll, you'll get more a more varied uh, form of intake of things. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, for me, it's basically the, I can, uh, I, I simply sometimes just can't uh, follow things that move that much. Yep. <laughs> and that was the problem I had here was that everything moved so much that yeah. 
I think sometimes it's okay to like chill on things for a moment. Definitely. I mean, if you think yeah, about that's also partly trying to like pace behind the main character who is Dr. Bus in this movie, in this yep. show yep. and how much Dr. Bus is like a frenetic over the top madman and, and everything else takes after him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it is, I mean, I did love all the, uh, I mean, Bus did change the game. He changed entertainment. It is, it's, he, he is worthy of a show uh accidental pun right there but uh um but it's, it's like it didn't feel like his show all the time and i guess that's that's the disjointed thing you're talking i mean the scope they went for and i don't know if they were going for it or it just happened was massive i mean we got the johnson versus bird rivalry lakers celtics rivalry they were going over the lakers offensive strategy in a major major way there was even times where they did the stylistic you know weird thing where the the, the boards moving where you could see all the pieces kareem's frustration with the lakers Buses rise and how we shaped the NBA. Buses, families, secession, celebrity and fame and Lakers girls. Riley's rise and Westhead's fall. I mean, this is all. I can go on and on. This is this is all stuff that they put into all. Like, you know, it was all encompassed in in each episode. You felt the weight of all those, and that's fun. But it's also a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that there is one character I am glad that they did dwell on a little bit more than than I would have assumed the show would. Yeah. Los Angeles Clipper, great Norm Nixon. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. His son, His son played him in the show, which is a which is a nice touch. Oh, that is right. Is that that is that the case? That's right. And Norm Nixon's son playing Norm Nixon. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. I just can't get over the cast. I mean, Quincy was amazing. We have to talk about Quincy Isaiah as magic. Yeah. Jason Clark killed it. Um the the Kareem guy was that Solomon Hughes just uh, Chickless was great as Red, um, you know great that, anything you put in it. Chickless Chickless gets it done. Chickless, Chickless is a scene stealer if you, if you don't make him the lead. He's a great 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 <laughs> character actor. Absolutely. I mean, even the dude they found. I mean, I don't know where Sean Patrick Small came from for for Larry Bird and you know I got to give a shout out to my man Wood Harris as Spencer Haywood. He he just always. Always crushed it. You know what's interesting when I talk about casting like that is I uh, forgot for a second that they had I forgot that Wood Harris was there playing Bob McAdoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spencer. Yeah. It's Spencer Haywood. Spencer Haywood. Yeah. Bob McAdoo. He had a big moments in the first season. Yes, he did. Yeah. Include, including Spencer Haywood's uh now you see, I gotta think that the crack house is Liberty. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. But that was, I mean, that was a that that had in great dramatic impact for sure. But I think that, the crack house is a liberty. Yes, it definitely hit home though. That was pretty intense. I mean, with Cream helping him, that that was like some of the more intense, less fun moments of the show. Things got deep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like that casting I was speaking of, and just how remarkable it is, it almost made me kind of um, hopeful of what you can do because I, I think I've, I've talked about it on the show before, just kind of like some of these rock biops and like that biopics and like stuff like this. They sometimes it just, it gets to be cliche and the whole thing. I just, it just with how perfectly this was cast and how fun it was at times, it gave me hope for some more real life stories. I mean, as you're a Mets fan, I know this, I mean, you know, uh, Daryl and Doc and, and, and like uh, Keith and the whole thing. Who knows what they could tell stories with their bad, yeah, bad boys. There is, there is a Perlman book about it. The bad guys. There is a, a Perlman who wrote That's this book. Bad. He wrote he wrote about that, right? 
Yeah, the bad guys won. It's a good book, but yeah. I, I I don't think they should do that one because there's already a thirty for thirty on Doc for Doc and Daryl, and a thirty for thirty uh, one, called One Night in Queens or yeah. Once Upon a Time in Queens. You want to know who I actually would love to see? Uh, Tell me. This kind of story told about. Um, as much as I hate them, yeah. Give me a 1990s Braves biopic. That's a that would that's interesting. What is there any stories that come to mind? I mean, I mean, you got John Rocker. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got <laughs> Bobby Cox. Who's yep. in, like, I, I I don't need there to be a protagonist. I need them all to be antagonists because I yeah. also hate the team immensely. But um, they had a they had a they had know, like, staff, but they weren't they always like um. Was their thing was they were always winning the L- NL, but not not the whole thing. Yeah, they, they won the World Series once in fifteen and fifteen tries, and which is crazy. With the the if you think about that pitching staff that they that that's the case. That's insane. Three Hall of Famers at the top of their staff. Yeah, it's un, it's really unbelievable. Um, it's hard to talk about this whole thing, um, and this you know just the, the the cancellation of winning time and just kind of where I'm left at in this moment right now with Sunday nights and HBO. Cause I mean, um, it just feels like there's a blank space and I know there's a lot of factors going into it, the time of year going into it, the strike going into it, but even before winning time, you know, uh, did get abruptly canceled and, and its season ended. I mean, things that HBO Sunday nights and, and because of the max deal and a lot of things haven't felt the same. And, you know, I, I'm just curious what the max thing and the strike, Will do to eight, but what I you know cherish, which is HBO Sunday nights. I'm I'm, I'm I can't I mean, help but think of it. We need something that's going to be like you know as good as a, a Secession, which yeah. obviously Secession's gone. So I guess yeah. there needs to be like they they need a new flagship prestige drama. Absolutely, like, as good as Gemstones is, that's not enough to carry an entire night. No, no, it's not. I, I, I'm surprised we didn't bring that up sooner, you know, and or we didn't have an episode dedicated to it because that gemstones finale was just just stunning to me. I, that I just I was I it actually felt like it could have ended the show. The, the pieces, all the you know, and they go out there, they take big big swings with their storylines, and by the time it they brought that home, it actually felt good it was like a feel-good story and they were they tied up all their loose ends at the end of it which is amazing because i said i mean they 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 untied things in a major major way that floored me that was one of my favorite episodes of anything all season that that conclusion wow yeah i think i I agree with you but yeah i mean i think it's that we need that hour-long you need that hour-long prestige drama and um i need one that doesn't involve dragons yeah, and I mean that I, you know, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, we, I mean, I I enjoyed that uh, House of the Dragon, but I wasn't absolutely floored in a Game of Thrones thing, and uh, you know, it seems like it's going to be a while before that. I I feel I mean, like you true, true, anything. You yeah, I mean, True Detective, the that that new True Detective season, but I mean that's been hit or miss too. It just I just I'm I'm kind of lamenting something that I, I don't know if it's gone or what's going on. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm overreacting, but I mean, HBO Sunday nights means a lot to me and there feels like a huge void right now. And that's a bummer. I mean, HBO Sunday nights are your winning time. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, there they're they're also feels like there's kind of like some questionable decisions. I don't know about this decisions. I always like for winning time. I always like that. Maybe, you know, it did drop 40% in, in viewership, but they've always seemed to st- stand by their creators that were good, whether it's David Simon or whatnot. But, you know, you see them drop a good show like Perry Mason, which was just getting better and better. 
quitting on this in, in an abrupt way. I mean, it's just fun to kind of, you know, kind of wrap things up a little bit. It's kind of funny how you could tell that decision was so abruptly made because they had the end of the story was magic being so pissed off at the end of that win that's leading us in the next season and then they dropped that kind of like those those cards on us where they were telling us what's going on the scene with with uh dr bus and, and genie which was tacked on it's 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 so noticeably tacked on and then they tell us everything that happened it was it's 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 not a good look. It's not a good conclusion. It's it's a bummer. It's totally I, I, bummer. I, I completely get it too. But yeah. I think there is the point in time, Michael, where the the entire premise of TV ratings does have to come into account with your your method of evaluation here, yeah. because if you don't, nobody's making something for someone who's not watching it. That's that's a fact. Capitalism comes into play. We got to give props though. It's a uh, the song that they chose to kick things off, their, their theme music, My Favorite Mutiny by The Coop featuring Black Thought and Quelly, who we don't hear, is just dope. That uh, that whole opening montage was really dope. There's, I mean, there's a lot to celebrate here. There was, like like I said, the episode three, four, and five of season two was banging. Um, you know, they, they, they showed us a lot. They took us inside the forum club. They, you know, that's what was always fun about the book, too. Like, it wasn't... You know, we all know the basketball I, I was watching as a kid. I revisit it later on, but it's behind the basketball, and it was fun. There's yeah. so many, so many stories there. The casting, again, I'm talking about was amazing. There was just, there was so much fun stuff here, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm gonna miss it. It was, it was a cool show. It, uh, it, it, it landed badly, but that's just how things work in uh, Hollywood sometimes. Any. Any final thoughts here, Justin, uh, as, as the winning time um, comes to its close? And so does this episode of uh, Welcome to the Party, Pal? No, no. I mean, you know what? It's just, you know, sometimes you don't need the system. Sometimes you just need some magic. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Justin, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's, it's, you had some fun sports stats for us, too. It's, 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 it's fun to talk ball. It's, uh, wait, how are the Bucks going to do this year? Um, they're, I don't know, maybe going to win the East. I think I think they might win the over, over Knicks and six in the conference finals. <laughs> that would be a fun, fun, fun series. All right. Well, thank you, Justin. I really appreciate your time. All right. Later, Michael. And uh, thank you, everyone out there, for once again joining the party.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.